now listening to Liberation. I am your host, Corey Hatcher. Liberation presents William and Aida Jackson. William and Aida, members of the San Jose Church of Christ, serve as STEM educators and bloggers in Jacksonville, Florida. Both serve numerous ministries, and William also teaches on Let the Bible Speak TV and International Bible Study. This episode, they speak to us about education, faith, technology, cryptocurrency, and church in the metaverse. Please enjoy this show. Rebooting season two, uh, I have probably the most intelligent couple I've come across uh, for this podcast, but I'm going to say so myself. Uh, they are educators. Uh, they are um, very artistic, very intelligent, and I believe they're going to help uh, further the church's cause all the way into the 22nd century. Um, straight out of Jacksonville, Florida, uh, from the San Jose Church of Christ. I have William and Aida Jackson. How you guys doing this evening? We are doing great. Great. Blessed. Happy to be here. And, you know, just just want to share our story and praise the Lord and Amen. give him break. Give him praise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's just start with a couple of things. I'm going to start with how you guys met. What brought you to the God? Uh, what brought you to the Lord's church? Um so let's start with uh, how you guys met. Well, I was walking down the street, minding my business. <laughs> and I looked across the street, and I was like, oh, my God, the light was just shining. It was so bright. And I, just, I, had to, I had to cover my eyes. Like, Jesus, oh, my God, that light is just. <laughs> and one Aida was walking on the other side and just minding her business and you know, and that that was it. It was like an epiphany. I was like, thank you, Jesus. That's good. It almost happened like that. I don't want to yeah. embellish too much because, you know, the Lord be listening. <laughs> it didn't happen like that at all. Hopefully he'll, he'll grade this with a curve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. It's a good story, though, right? It's- Sweet. But actually, we met, um, we were part of the same troupe. I was a part of um, a group called the um, Reader's Theater, and I was one of the actresses. And he was the tech guy. So he did the sound and the display that we had, and, you know, he kind of mm-hmm. kept us, especially me, because I tend to speak very low, like, let me know that I got to speak up or speak low, you know, slower, because I'm a New Yorker. I tend to talk very fast. Um, so we, uh, we just became friends and that was it. We were just friends for several years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we met after the, um, the shows were over. We would just talk about education, about being bloggers, about our passion, um, for writing, for the Lord, all kinds of stuff. We were just, we were just good friends. And then, um, one day we decided to go to dinner and lunch or Dinner's something. Dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and then that was it. It was like, oh, well, maybe there's something here more than that. And yeah. that was actually four years later. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. And then the rest, as they say, was history. Right. Once, once we knew we were interested in each other in a different way, the Lord brought us here. Now right. we're married. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, sh- now, um, excuse me if I missed it, but what kind of shows were we talking about that you guys were um, um, in conjunction with? 
They were called a reader's theater. Okay. And basically they were um, dramatized readings of the works of Stetson Kennedy and Norzio Hurston's slave narratives. And they were acting out the, the characters in the books that Zora Neale Hurston and uh, Stetson Kennedy wrote. Right. So in the 1934 Federal Writers Project, um, Zora Neale Hurston and Stetson Kennedy went out and interviewed actual people who were slaves mm-hmm. and interviewed them and learned about their stories and what it was all about. And he wrote the slave narratives. So the woman that um, that co-owns this uh, troupe, she decided to start creating actual stories. So our job was to act out the stories that were in the books so that people can learn about these slaves and learn about um, some of the fun stories. So there's like the black superheroes, which are the superheroes of old, but they were real people who really lived here in the Jacksonville area um, and, and the surrounding counties. And then um, also slaves and what they actually went through. So mm-hmm. there was probably about five of us in the troop, and we would just act out different parts and um, act out the different stories. So what brought the New York girl down to Florida? Uh, my mom. My mom moved down here. So uh, I had already thought about leaving New York. But, you know, I say that my mom did, but I'm just going to be really honest. It really was the Lord. I was um, I came to the Lord and gave my life to Christ in uh, 2000 and I knew I needed a change. So right then I knew that it was time for me to leave New York and my mom moved down to Florida. And I was like, you know what? This is probably the change that I need. And it definitely was. It turned my whole life around. So, yeah. All right. I've been down here since um, 87 um, after graduating from uh, South Carolina State University and lived down here. Um, I originally moved down to Palaka and um, moved up to Jacksonville. Didn't want to be too far away from my kids and was working, teaching. Um, I love Florida from, you know, coming down, visiting during school. And I decided this is the place that I wanted to live, that I wanted to move to. And my parents, they were like, yeah, do it, because don't come back to Philly. I'm originally from Philly, because we need some place to come down during the winter. And I was like, cool, that that works out for everybody. So, nice. Yeah. 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 So what was the connection to the uh, congregation that you currently attend? Or or just uh, what what was your connection to the Church of Christ in general? Um, you know, whether San Jose was the original okay. congregation or not. Like, where was that? Where was that connection between? My you? first connection was I became a member of the Body of Christ in 2014, and back then I was a physical education teacher, and it's a, it, I think it's an interesting story. Um, I was uh, teaching a class out on the playground, and there was a young lady out there, fourth grader. She was arguing with some other students about why the Church of Christ does not play musical instruments. And I did not interrupt them because I thought it was, like, really fascinating. Here you have, like, fourth-grade young ladies, you know, having a real serious discussion, and she was very passionate. And I just listened for a while, and, you know, near the, it was close to the end of class. I said, well, y'all go out on the playground. You know, I wanted to talk to this young lady. And I said, well, where did you get that information from? She said, you know, her minister asked her what church she attended. She was like West Side Church of Christ here in Jacksonville. And she invited me. 
you know, to come to church. I was like, thank you for the invitation. Nice. And um, it took me a couple of weeks, but I did finally go. And I was really encouraged by the message of the minister there at West Side. And, um, you know, I was in, in uh, 20, early part of 2014. And that's where I, you know, started to attend and and learned and, and got involved and was baptized and um, uh, was there for a couple of years. Um, the uh, We had uh, workshops that were ongoing uh, from uh, members of Northside Church of Christ, and that was uh, Charlie McClendon and Al Jackson. And um, they would come and give workshops, and I was I wanted to learn more. It's like I wanted to learn as much as possible. And um, at that time, I talked to the, um, the ministers at Westside, and actually they encouraged me to uh, to go to Northside to learn more. Um, I, at that time, too, I was helping with the media ministry. So, again, using my technology background, um, I would share, you know, content on social media, what was going on in the church and activities and recordings. And, um, you know, when they suggested I go to Northside, I was like, okay, you know, went over to Northside, learned a great deal from Brother McClendon and Brother Jackson, um, had a wonderful time there, a great learning experience. And then through the course of moving and changing jobs and um, Aida and I, you know, developing our relationship, um, I wanted to be closer to her. Um, and then I moved to the other side of Jacksonville, which was where San Jose Church of Christ is, and actually moved like right around the corner from it. And uh, the minister there, um, Joel Singletary, is um, a wonderful minister, young minister. And, and I love the, consisten- the consistency of the teaching. So even though, you know, um, um, Brother Charlie and Brother Al were, you know, are older, but it's the consistency of the teaching and, and the word and just being a member of the body of Christ and getting that word and that message and going out in the community because they all encourage you know, each of us to go in the community and even at work, you know, to, to share our faith and to talk. And and that really empowered me. And, um, you know, when I and I started dating, it was like, you know, come on, go to church. And um, she was like, sure. You know. Yeah, I was attending a different kind of church. And uh, I started attending San Jose Church of Christ, and I just loved it. I love the, the atmosphere. I love the teaching. And um, to, I'll be honest, I couldn't get past, like, the, no instruments. I came from one of those big mega churches <laughs> with the, you know, they got a whole band going on. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I could do that, huh? <laughs> you know, I, I think you could, you know, both love Jesus. And, <laughs> just not. But, uh, but um, yeah. you know, we would watch uh, sermons, and I, I listened to a sermon one time, and it just, that's what changed my mind. Um it was just saying that, you know, when you go, there's nothing wrong with instruments per se. It was more like when you go to church, that's for worship. And when you're when you have the instruments, you're really clapping for the gifting that you see on the stage and not necessarily for the Lord. And this is a this is a time for us to come together and to worship God and to to praise him together mm. um, in, you know, and in, in hymns and songs. And, and, and it just, you know, I believe that when you hear the truth, it resonates within you. And that resonated with me. And then, so the next time I went to San Jose, I saw the beauty of just worshiping with my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. with nothing up front. Yeah. Nothing to distract me, nothing to hype me up, 
just me and my church family and God. And I was like, that's it. And I, I made a decision to join San Jose on my own. And I told them I, I'm going to be a member here. And, and and also the family atmosphere. I feel for the first time I felt like I was a part of a church family. I know I didn't feel separate. I felt like this is my church family. So that's how you felt, I felt. Felt like more of a partaker. Yes, and yes, and that they 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 care about me. I care about them. You know, it's it wasn't. It was very different. A very different experience. You know, in the other church, I felt like if I didn't come, nobody's going to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who cares? They don't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and they don't know if I'm there or not. It was so big, they wouldn't even wow. know if I was there or not. And while they encourage small groups, which is really nice, this is different. I'm connected right. to a greater body. Like, so even with Northside, you know, I love the people on Northside. We've, we've, attended, we've gone and, and visited them. Um, they know me. If they see me, they know who I am. So it was just very different. And I was like, that's what I always wanted, to feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, so, William, just looking at a lot of the things that you're you're into, um, have you um, actually, I'm not sure where I want to start, but have you actually done any preaching and uh, any of the congregations you've attended. And, and the reason I ask that, because I noticed yeah. that you're, you have your online program. Uh, yeah. so before we get into that, I just want to see is preaching something that you have had experience with in the past? Uh, yes, I, yes, I have. Um, quite a few entrants at, um, at, uh, West Side when I was there and, um, also North Side as well. We've had a couple of, um, lectureships and conferences in the past where I was invited to speak. And interesting enough, it, it was about the the, um, the collaboration of ministry and technology hmm. and, and how to outreach using technology, using social media, um, the different dynamics between um, digital evangelism and um, sharing the word of God and scriptures and using tech to actually do that to a, a, an audience of people that are using technology, that are involved in technology, but then also how do you reach the lost, those that don't know the word of God using technology as well. And um, along with, the, you know, the blogs that I do and, and, the, and the podcast as well. Okay. Okay. Um, where does San Jose stand? Do they encourage you, um, keep pushing you forward with the evangelism portion that you're doing online? Oh, yes, they're very supportive. Actually, before the pandemic and everything shut down, um, Joel actually um, encouraged us to have uh, technology classes. And, and the, you know, the interesting thing, this is how the Lord works. And it's like he always shows himself. I believe it was, was it like two months, three months before actually everything was shut down? We were doing a class of technology talking about cell phones and social media um, that was held once a week. And we actually did it for like three or four weeks. And it was, it was like after the last class, maybe like a week or two later, bam, everything shut down because mm -hmm. the pandemic started. And, you know, the only thing that we can think of was like, you know, look at how God set that up. You know, it's something that we had wanted to do. And Joel was all excited. Um, we had scheduled it like once a week. We started it and we had a really good um, attendance 
because the, the members were like, well, they know how to use their cell phones, but how do you connect to the Internet? They know how to use their cell phones, but how do you, you know, use social media or using mobile technology? So we went through that, but we also talked about, you know, how is your heart in using um, social media? You know, the content that you post, it's still a representation of who you are as a Christian. It's, it's always a representation of who you are as a follower of Christ. And, but using those platforms, not just to, to communicate with family and friends, but, you know, to send positive affirmations to people, um, to share the faith in good times and bad times and how to, you know, stay connected and keep connected. The next thing you know, like I said, uh, you know, after our last class, it was like maybe one or two weeks and everything was shut down. And, and we were so appreciative that we had that opportunity to do that, that um, even during the pandemic, you know, we were, you know, you know, using Facebook and, and all the other, you know, applications. And it was a blessing, too, because there were two brothers, um, brothers of Christ from Jos, Nigeria, that were following me on social media on Facebook and invited me to um, to teach and preach on Let the Bible Speak TV. So I, I had been doing that for two years, and uh, Brother Wabamba George and Brother Enoch, um, they were all the way, you know, in post Nigeria. I'd never heard of them. I'd never met them. But they said they were following me on Facebook and they, you know, they loved what I posted. And, um, you know, Aida was very encouraging. She was like, you know, look at the way the Lord works. You know, he puts you in places that you would have never thought and, and see how he's using, you know, the teaching talents that I have, you know, to post content about social media, which, which really wasn't being done that much at that time because you know everybody was scrambling to get online and right. how to get connected and streaming and um i even said a couple of times you know in, in these times like this people need to understand that you can still use social media to connect with people and share you know share their faith and you know you can point them to you know appropriate scriptures and bible studies and um she had even mentioned of, of starting a, a digital bible study um ourselves but the church, you know, they had a, a streaming service going on on YouTube, but that that blew up so well. It's like, okay, we'll be of service to San Jose and um, just let the Lord guide us and lead us where he wanted us to go. Interesting, interesting. Um, so our brothers over in Africa, um, when yeah. did they when did they start this program, uh, Let the Bible Speak? Um, I started in, let's see, this is 2022. So I started in... 2020, um, June of 2020, and they reached out to me through Facebook, and you know they introduced themselves, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, I was so humbled and honored. I, I was like, definitely. So um, my day was um, Wednesdays um, at uh, three o'clock our time, Eastern Standard Time, but that was uh, nine o'clock um, Nigerian time. So that way, during the week, they had different programming. So we started off there, and as it grew, they were like, okay, well, you know, Brother William, you can um, submit different content at different places. They had guest ministers because they were in school as well. So they were, mm -hmm. they were, they were going to um, uh, evangelistic school in Jos. And it was such a wonderful experience that here we're sharing content globally that people are watching and, and listening to and um and from there, it's been other cases where um, not just myself, I had to, you know, 
thank you, Lord. Aida's had chances to speak and teach as well. So we've had, you know, and it's just grown to other platforms. Yeah, not necessarily on that, but yeah, definitely on other platforms. And they they were already doing it before William started. Mm. So um, they just like like you said, they had seen what he was doing, and then they invited him to join what they had already started. How long have they been at it? I think they were doing that a year before they contacted me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's, mm-hmm. that's a very fascinating project. Um, and anyone to expand on that now, this is something isolated to just their class or this is something people from throughout the world can tap into as well. People, yes, yeah, people throughout the, the world. 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 That's awesome. so they, That's they bring awesome. in guest ministers and, um, yeah. actually they went on several um, they call them adventures to, to minister and evangelize. So they'll record, you know, where they're traveling to, um, either in within Nigeria or outside Nigeria. And they'll record, and you know, and, um, and Chad as well. Mm-hmm. There's a gentleman. Uh, he's a member of the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm sorry for um, not exactly. But his um, ministry is in Tennessee mm-hmm. and uh, he works with them as well. Okay, so let me make a slight transition because now I want to talk about um, some of the guys you're into with some of the things that you guys are into as far as um, technology and education and then bring it back full circle because we had a previous conversation um, regarding the metaverse. So I want to try to tie um, all this in the best way I know how. Um, For... The average layman, um, you guys are heavily involved into what's called STEM. And I don't want to take it for granted that the average Joe Blow know what that is. <laughs> so um, let's start with the the queen of the camp. Um, if you want to explain what STEM is to the people. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we actually, there's also STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, so um, we are definitely are more STEAM teachers because I am the artist in the group. See the art behind. Nice. So, <laughs> so I am actually the artist uh, of the team. Mm-hmm. But we together are called the Extreme Team, which we add the R. So it's science, technology, reading, engineering, arts, and mathematics. So sometimes you'll hear STEM, STEAM, or STREAM, and that's what it, it is. So it's the the core is STEM which is the um, the base of the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You'll see them in schools. You're going to see more and more schools having STEAM uh, curriculums, uh, more after-school programs that are going to have STEAM and STEM curriculums is uh, the future. This is where people are, are moving toward, and this is where the focus of most schools are now. Okay. Um, so let me ask this, and in, in this – I'm sure it's probably um, tough in its own right. Um, of course, we know the government has its own view of right. what our children should learn and how they should learn right. it. Um, how do you guys either push back or balance knowing that there's the Lord's truth with as opposed to what they see? Um, how is there any conflict with that, or how, how do you guys navigate that, especially in a public school setting? So for me, I am not a public school teacher. 
So when we work together, we do after school programs, we do virtual programs, um, we work in the community. So I have more flexibility in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the my teaching experience is with um, a university, and I'm grateful that the university that I'm teaching with is a Christian university. It's um, Lenoir Ron University. It's a Lutheran uh, university. So I can openly speak about my faith. And then um, I'm working specifically with uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion on the web. So I'm working in technology and also talking about how to be more equitable, inclusive, and diverse um, when you're presenting content, when you're putting together your website, those kinds of things. But William can speak more to that um, as far as like in the public school system. Right. So I don't, I don't openly have open discussions in school, um, but I do not shy away from students asking me about my faith. So I don't, I don't have an issue or problem with that. Um, being a past health and physical education teacher, you know, the focus was on, you know, uh, healthy bodies, healthy minds, eating healthy, um, proper exercise. But when it came to uh, sharing my faith, if, if conversations steered towards that, um, I wouldn't shy away from it. You know, I would let the students know what my faith is, what my belief is. Um, if they had more conversation or they wanted to talk more, um, I was I was willing to do that. But with the understanding that, you know, I can talk about myself, but I can't um thrust on them um, my beliefs. You know, they can share with me their beliefs, their understanding. We could talk about it, but we had to, you know, make sure we had this understand. We're in a public education. This is government funded, so we can have a, a limited conversation. But I would always let them know, too, hey, if it's all right with your parents and, you know, they would like to bring you to church, you know, come to church on Sunday or come to Bible study on Wednesday and you know, come and, you know, come and attend and let them know what was going on, what was, you know, what everything was about. And in the, in the past, I've had, a, you know, a few students come to church. I've actually brought a few with me. Parents said, let me bring, you know, kids to church with me. And um, it's been a wonderful experience. I don't, I cannot say that I have had any serious pushbacks um, in my 30, you know, 33 years of teaching um, about that. Which is a blessing because, you know, so many educators are, you know, are, are fearful and scared of their jobs. Amen. But for me, you know, I, I, the way I was brought into the body of Christ, it was through a young lady at a school that I was teaching and, and I feel accountable and responsible and led that in, in that field, you know, it, it extends beyond me you know, being responsible to having these conversations with kids. And it's like, you know, I, I can't answer every question because kids, you know, they want to know, they want to talk about it, but, you know, just letting them know that, you know, I'm available, you know, let them, you know, let your parents know we've had conversations. If they want to know more, hey, you know, I can come over to your house, I'll invite you to church, have a Bible study, you know, you know, whatever, you know, so I'm, I'm there for them. That's good. That's good. Um, I've, um, frequently listen to a, a podcast called um, Church Politics, mm-hmm. and they've had different discussions where 
generally, especially people in academia, uh, they will know something is a false ideology. Okay. But in sake of keeping their job or uh, being able to keep the same company with certain people or right. you name the different various things, they go with things that are completely opposite of what they know to be the truth or what their faith tells them is the truth. Right. And they're basically playing along just to get along um, okay. instead of actually standing up and standing right. on their principles. Um, so, and William, I, this, this next question is probably going to be geared heavily towards you. And, and I, I want to be as um, possibly objective as possible. Okay. Um, I also listened to these, our, um, our brothers of Focus Press and one brother in particular, Jack Wilkie, who I've had on the program. He has definitely advocated for if you can afford to pull your kids out of the public school system, you should do so and do so immediately uh, due to the direction of where the curriculum is going. Right. Um, so I just want to get your opinion on that. I think that that parents need to look at the broad scope of education and and they need to weigh everything about public, private, charter, homeschool, and select the best area for their child. And and the reason I say that is because I used to be against homeschool. I used to be against charter schools. But you look at the, 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 the dynamics of each individual child, and it's important that you find the best educational fit for them. And a lot of the discussion... It's not just about the child, but it's about the aspect of money. And I think we need to, we need to get beyond the money talk and find out really where does the child fit in educational wise. Um, you know, the schools I've taught at, I've had students, you know, come to the school and they've been at charter schools and they're a little bit disconnected because they're not used to the public school environment. But they adapt to the environment and they grow into it. Um, there's been kids that have been in public school and they can't connect. They're discombobulated, but they, they leave and go to a charter school and have a wonderful experience. And it's like, they'll come back and say, hey, I love the school. I'm learning. I'm making A's and B's and they're a total different person, even with, um, you know, private schools, you know, so, you know, it's now it's, 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 it's beyond the money aspect It's beyond the politics. It should be equal educational access. And I know a lot of people get, you know, get pushed back and, you know, they have their, but when you look at the child, what's the best thing for the child? How can we support the child? Um, if, if, if the school isn't doing or cannot provide the resources, you know, support where they can go and where they can grow and, and where they can expand and fly and, you know, be the awesome young person that they can be. If I, if I may, I'd like to add to that. Um, as a parent, as an educator, um, I, I would also say, also remember that these kids are going to go out to the real world. And there's a lot that's changing. And we know it's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to get worse. And for those parents who are lamenting and saying, well, I can't afford to send them to a private school. I can't afford to have them at home. That's fine. Um there's plenty of things that are taught in school that when my kids would come home, I would tell them, that's wrong. I don't care what your school says. <laughs> they can tell you whatever they want to say, but it's wrong. 
flat out, you know, um, even to, to history, you know, I, I taught, I taught my kids and I know, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want you to get a flood of emails, but I'm going to say it anyway. I taught my kids Columbus Day, you know, when my daughter, my oldest daughter was younger and she would say, Oh, it's Columbus Day. I'm like, there's no way that you're, I said, imagine sitting in your living room and someone shows up in your living room with a flag and says, this is my house because I didn't know it was here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's wrong, right? So the same thing, you know, the same thing with, um, you know, other curriculum that's taught in school that's against the word. You know, I'd let them know this is what we believe here in this house. And when you get older, you change your mind. That's on you when you get older. But I'm going to tell you what my word tells me, and this is what I'm, what you should know. But if we don't do that as parents, right, then we wouldn't have an opportunity like what William experienced with the young lady for her to say, this is what we learned. This is what we know. And for him to have a change of heart to say, I'm going to come into the body of Christ. So parents, you have an opportunity to teach your kids a different way. So even though they're teaching them one way in school, say, Oh, that's really interesting. All right. Let me tell you what the truth is now, you know, and then they'll have a discussion and they might be able to turn someone else's life around. Totally. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm a fourth generation teacher. So um, my parents were teachers, their parents were teachers and so forth and so on. And, and just the experiences that I had with my mom and dad, you know, working every day, um, knowing that this career isn't about a lot about, you know, it, it wasn't about the money aspect, but it was about being of service to your community and how you can help kids and I, and you know watching my mom and my dad like help kids uh, my mom was a high school um, business teacher so I saw where she taught um, shorthand and went to um, manual typewriters and electric typewriters and computers and she laid that foundation within my myself and my brother and sister but the fact that she would do stuff to help students um, take them to the store and so they could buy stuff or, you know, if there was, you know, a family struggling, you know, we didn't have a whole lot, but, you know, she would buy groceries for families. She would, you know, do stuff, you know, go to conferences. She would take us and maybe take one or two of her students with her to conferences. And I'm like, where are you getting all these extra kids from? It's like, where are your kids? Why are you, why are you dragging these other kids? So, uh, and, and growing up, and I, I with, with uh, you know, my kids, I used to do the same thing. I'd take them to conferences, but then I'd bring other kids to conferences, too. So the, the things that your parents teach you and share with you, you know, you take hold of and you emulate, particularly in that, that service to the community. And I always encourage, like I was saying, you know, even even with your children in public school, if you can go to school board meetings, go to um uh, parent conferences, attend, be active, be engaged, be involved. And it, you know, it's to like, okay, well, you can't physically be there. Well, don't let that be an excuse. Use that smartphone you got. You know, call that teacher, email that teacher, see if they're streaming. Most school board meetings are streamed now. So stay involved and stay engaged. Um, so that way you know what's going on and voice your opinion. Mm. You know, you have that right to. And, and not to get off subject, but it, it's funny how, you know, state legislatures are, you know, talking about passing laws and legislation about, you know, parents 
being able to do certain things in schools, but they've always been able to do that. Parents have always been able to be involved, so they have to, parents have to be careful when the legislatures or you know, are whispering in their ears, well, you need to have a say in this. You need to have a say in that. They have always had a say in it, but maybe because of time and responsibilities, they didn't have the opportunity to, to, to do that or be a part of that. Um, they always have, and, you know, it's just a matter of sacrificing time. What's important? Like we all know education is an investment. You know, in how much of an investment are you going to put in your children um, in their education? And, and finding out what's going on. And, and, you know, as I'm doing now, conversations are so important. Even though as parents we get caught up and tied up, sit down and have a conversation with your kids. Not not a one-way conversation you always telling your kids. Ask your kids their opinion, their thoughts, their feelings, and let them share with you, you know, after you make them put that phone down in that tablet, but <laughs> right. tell them to put the phone in the room and y'all go sit somewhere or go for a walk, you know, and, and just have conversations and talk and find out what the real deal is. And ask them what they're learning at yeah. school. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the thing I fear the most is um, not only for my, uh, have fear for my kids, but kids in general, they're all trying to shape them into a, educational zombies where right. oh, yeah. this is what we say it is. You got to believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're exiled. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I, especially um, my youngest try to let him know, Hey, it's, it's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay mm-hmm. to have a different opinion from me. Yeah. Um, but whatever, you believe to be the truth, just stand on it. Right. Um, and back to something you were saying back to Columbus Day, it's so funny that not only finding Earth, it was the whole is the uh, is the world circular. Mm, right. And, and it's funny how the Bible in its own ways just the little things we've glossed over and the answers were always there. Like mm. um I remember learning in Isaiah, I want to say it's Isaiah 40, 22, where it says God sits above the circle of the earth. It was just like, right. <laughs> the, right. 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 the answer was right there the whole time. Right. It didn't oh, take <laughs> Mr. Columbus yeah. to go on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. You know, even my kids and I, we watch um, do- documentaries, you know, especially those documentaries that kind of like disprove, like, you know, um, the waters didn't really part because, you know, there's a certain part in the Red Sea and this, that, and the other. And then, you know, the, the high tide. And then I, I'd, I'd be watching and I'd be like, but look at God. Even if it happened like that, like they happened to go to the right spot in the right moment and the water rose at the right moment and took out an entire army. Isn't God amazing? amazing. Like, you know, no matter how many times they're trying to disprove it. I, I've always taught my kids. I said every word in the Bible. I believe yeah, you can't amen. tell me anything different. I believe if they said that's what happened, they said there was a pillar of fire and the waters parted and an entire army drowned. I believe every single word of it. Amen. I have absolutely no doubt about amen. that. I said, so you can believe that. I said, do I tell every single person I meet when I'm talking to them, everything I believe? No, I let the spirit lead me. I know exactly when it's time. 
because the spirit will lead you to say, you know what, you need to, okay, all right, yeah. Lord, I'm going to just share this right now because people will start talking and you'll feel stirred and you'll say, you know what, let me share something with you. I'm going to share this. I, I tell this is a, um, if you don't mind me sharing this true story uh, um, at work, uh, I met a young lady. She and I became best friends. At the time, she is my oldest daughter's age, which means she was 20 years younger than me. We were in the same um, training room, and we just happened to be sat next to each other. And she told me when they sat her next to me, she's like, oh, Lord, I'm next to the Christian woman. <laughs> That's the first thing she thought to herself. <laughs> and I was thinking kind of the opposite. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. This young lady, I know she really don't want to be sitting next to me because I was different. You know, I, right, right. I my faith comes with me everywhere I go. So um, long story short, we became friends. And she just said, you know, she just started asking. She's like, why do you believe that? Why do you think that? What is that? What is this? You're just asking me questions. And what really struck me was, you know, she said she had never read a Bible before. This young lady was 23 years old, living in the United States of America, had never read a Bible. And I went home and just boohooed my eyes out. I just cried out for her because I was like, Lord... I don't know what I can do to share. I don't want to scare her, but I need her to know who you are. Like, I just need her to know who you are. And, but she, I had never heard of anyone living in the U.S. that had never read a Bible. And I'm like, there is a harvest right here in the USA. Mm-hmm. So um, long story short, she just started asking questions. And, you know, one day I told her one of the parables um, that Christ had, had shared. And I, I forget which one it was at the moment. But she said she went. To, to the supermarket after we had spoken. She had a hard day. You know, we had a really kind of tough day. And she, she called me up and she told me, Aida, you won't believe this. I went to the supermarket and I was picked up some wine coolers. I was just going to kind of hang out and just chill out. She said, and I happened to look down and there was a Bible. So I picked it up and I opened the Bible and it opened up right to the parable you told me earlier. So she said, I decided to leave the wine coolers and buy the Bible instead. <laughs> and I went home and started reading the Bible. And she, every day, would come with a different question. Every day she would come with a different, you know, scripture. You know, what does this mean? I don't understand this. And eventually she got baptized. And she is a part of the body of Christ now. And That's she went on to um, go to seminary school. So, you know, Christ is real. Right, yeah. His life is transforming, life changing. Yep. I believe God wants you to be who you are, who he created you to be. And he will make the moments mm. that you can share your faith. And that's why I feel like if we put all of our kids out and they're filled with Christ, then who's going to help right. the other kids right. or even the teachers? You know, who's yeah. going to speak for them? You don't have to blast it all the time. You could just be who you are. And then the way you live, the way you live your life. You know, when I started my business, um, originally I wanted to start it like a secular business. And I, and I kept thinking about this over and over and saying, you know what? I absolutely can't do this. I can't. It has to be a ministry because I can't separate who I am in Christ from who I am. So I'm always going to be praising God. I'm always going to be talking about the Lord. I'm always going to bring up scripture. I'm always going to encourage someone in, in Christ. So I had to keep it together. And it's never failed me. It's never failed me. And I don't think it would fail people and their children either. Mm. That's, a, that's a nice, nice different way to look at it. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay. So get that out of the way. Um, so I, I was also reading on um, Project Lead the Way. Um, yes. So how, how explain how that's so beneficial uh, to the children that you're involved with. Okay. Um, before I applied for that job, I was teaching health and physical education at an elementary school. <clears throat> and I was like, my Lord. The weather is getting hotter and hotter. And nobody's noticing now. Now, granted, I, would, I was going into my 30, 30th year of teaching, 31st year of teaching um, PE. So it's always been a cross between PE and technology. And it's, it, I've always had the opportunities to teach either one or the other or both at the same time. But in this case, I was just teaching PE. And um, I saw an advertisement here in the district for a, um, a STEM teacher, but with Project Lead the Way. And I read up on Project Lead the Way, which is, you know, uh, a program that's, that's global. So it's based on project development with students to teach them career um, skills to help them for the future. And in this case, it was a design and modeling class in a computer lab. And I saw a computer lab. I was like, oh, my gosh, computer lab out of the sun. I could be inside with air conditioning. I wouldn't be so dark at the end of the day. And I'm like, all right, hey, I say, Lord, hey, if this is for me, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I applied for it. Um, as it turned out, the principal that I'm working with at this school, we used to work together in um, from 2000 to 2003. So she said when she saw, you know, my name come across her computer screen, she said, ask Mr. Jackson. I want Mr. Jackson. You know, we worked together before. And uh, we had a couple of interviews, and she told me about the program. I was all excited. And I went through the training. You have to go through training because you're looking at taking the model of technology but applying engineering skills to teach the students. Now, in this case, middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th, how to build, design, draw, create, make, all of that cool stuff in projects, but teach them design skills that they can take with them um, into high school and into careers. So with Project Lead the Way, if you're in high school, um, you can get Microsoft certified. You can get other certifications in like the IoT, Internet of Things. So depending on the program itself, you're able to learn skills, earn certificates, and even before you graduate, you can, you know, you can start actually working. Um, it's similar to dual enrollment, but, you know, dual enrollment is college-related. Project Lead the Way is skill and business-related. Mm. So you get those aspects. Now, in middle school, what I teach, the design and modeling, we do a lot of project development. And that allows me to share my knowledge in technology and business and leadership um, in ways that I'm molding and shaping them now to be entrepreneurs and business owners. Mm. And and I always say, since I don't have a creative, artistic bone in my body, this is where Aida comes in because she shares like, you can do this art project, you can do that art project, you know, you can do this design part and this design aspect, which I, you know, I would have never really thought about, but, but with her background in the arts and design um, and, and fashion modeling, fashion design, you know, I, I, I implement a lot of that in what I'm doing. And it really helps because it gets the kids a mindset that, oh, I can actually be a business owner and I'm in sixth grade. Or I can actually be an entrepreneur and know what an entrepreneur is. 
and um, and understand that I can start a business using technology and and create something that's different from other people. And the other part is like you know, middle school kids are interesting creatures because you have to let them know that even though arts is in this program. You're not necessarily sitting down and drawing all the time because you have like a couple of kids. I can't draw, especially the guys. I can't draw. I don't want to draw. That's for girls. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> you're not sitting down doing artwork. You're you're using your artistic talents and skills in creating projects and project development to build your technical knowledge and to be able to talk and communicate too. So it's like when somebody asks you about technology, you're not, uh, um, I don't know, um, I guess you can have a conversation. That's good. That's yeah. good. Now, is this part of one of these uh, independent projects outside of um, outside oh. of the public school? Or this is something you guys, one of these after school programs that you've created? A- actually, it's, uh, well, our, our, pro- our program is like after school program. Okay. And, um, but project the, lead the way is in school. Yeah, project lead the way is, is in the school. It's in a it's in a curriculum. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so if, it's, if parents are looking for something to get their kids involved in that helps them learn about not just technology but other areas of business model and engineering, you know, project lead the way is a good program because you know when you let kids know that hey, you know, you're in high school or middle school. And you're learning about web development, you're learning about coding, you're learning about graphic design, you're learning about technical skills, and you can take a test. Now, if you pass the test, you'll earn a certificate, and the certificate will verify that you're good at these skills, and, um, you know, you can use those skills and talents any way you want. Oh, and, businesses, yeah, and businesses have to recognize them because they are, they are state certifications and tests that when the kids pass them, it's like, hey, I got a Microsoft certification in Word, or I have a Microsoft certification in Microsoft Office, or I have a mic, or I have a um, a certification in coding, whether it's um, uh, Python or some other, you know, coding aspect. Fascinating, fascinating. All right, so let's move off of this guy, Miss um, okay. Jackson. So you have uh, a love built life. Let's get into that song. So Love of Life is a creative arts and lifestyle company. Um, what I actually do is help people to live life more creatively. Okay. So I use creativity and creation to share God's love. That's what I do. That's my mission statement, to use creative pursuits and creativity to share the love of God everywhere I go. So when I first started, like I told you, I I didn't want, I wanted to do it. I was like, I should do it without, you know, doing the whole, you know, Jesus thing. I don't want people to feel like I'm throwing it on them. But um, I realized that a lot of people won't go to a church, right? But they'll go to an art class. They'll go, they'll come to a coaching program. They'll learn about how to take care of their homes, take care of themselves. And um, just doing things a little differently because people get kind of stuck in a rut mm-hmm. and creativity uh, helps people come out of that. But what really helped me the most was that, you know, we were, we are all creative. We were created by the creator and right. we were created to create. So right. when you stir that up within you, you stir that spirit within you, you, it changes your life. It really changes how you look at things. It changes how you do things. 
You don't get stuck because, you know, God didn't want us to just live this life where just kind of get up, go to work, go to, you know what I mean? Like he wants you to create. He wants you to do. There's a, a wonderful book called Called to Create. And he talks about entrepreneurship. He talks about how the creative spirit is within all of us, how, you know, God's spirit is within us. So that's what um, Love Built Life is all about, helping people change their life, basically. And I focus mostly on older women. And the main reason I started focus on old, fo- focusing on older women is because um, I learned this statistic that the highest rate of homelessness in the United States is women over 50. And it's because they're missing out on skills. Um, they don't, they can't transition into these new jobs. And going back to what we talked about before about education, our educational system is not teaching our children to be critical thinkers, to be creative thinkers. So they're teaching them rote memorization, um, learning how to get a job, stay at the job, listen to what the boss says, do what he says, do what he says, do what he says, but not what I tell parents. And that's what we do with the extreme team is we tell parents there are jobs that exist right now that won't exist in 15 years. Mm-hmm. So then what, right? And that's what's happening for a lot of adults, especially older women. They can't transition to something new because they did the same thing over and over and over and over. And now a new opportunity is in front of them, but they can't see it. And they don't know how to pivot and they don't know how to transition. Well, that's brain training. That comes from Changing your, changing your mind, changing your mindset, changing the way you see things, thinking of things. And that's what creativity does. When you think of a creative person, not a creative person, a genius in their field, anyone that you say, oh, my God, you know, you got to see such and such because they're the best of the best. What makes them different from everyone else in the field is that they think about the field differently. Mm-hmm. It's the creative spirit that they add to it. They think of it in a different way. And, they, and people are like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of that. They, they're tapping into a different part of themselves. So that's why I focus on older women, to help them to see that you still have that in you. You're still viable. You can still change your life. You can still do things. My mom, before she um, got sick and passed away, was 62, and she owned a computer store. And she she was on it. You know, she was sharp. So if she could do it, anyone can do it. So that's that's what Love Your Life is all about. You know, and, and you, know, you know what Najee mentioned, it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, when I was a teenager, and I don't even think my father, he might have just been scratching 40, but he had um, got laid off from a job, a long-time job he's had, and I've never known my father to be scared of anything. And he, he said, I've never been more scared than when I got laid off because right. I didn't know the next thing to do. All I've been, right. I've been conditioned to do X, Y, and Z, and I, right. I'm going into a, a workforce that I right. had no skills and this was mid 90s right that he told me this right and we've we've 10 times surpassed the technology and stuff that we've had back then so it it actually makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah, because to to go along with what you were saying and we had this conversation the other day um i used to teach at community education here in jacksonville at one of the high schools and um i taught microsoft office and i would have you know men and women in their 40s and early 50s taking the class because, like you were saying, because they were fearful of losing their jobs and not being able to keep up with the technology. So they would, you know, enroll in the community ed class, like pay their like $20, $30 or whatever, and it was a six-week class. Uh, we met 
I believe it was twice a week. So we went over the basics of Word, PowerPoint, Excel, how to use them, how to apply them. We didn't touch on any social media stuff at the time, but just those applications because that's what they were using at work. And they were like, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, I'm so happy that I took this class. It was available because they're using it at work. And, you know, my boss says we have to learn it. We have to use it. And it was always the same conversation. I never had to ha- had to use technology like we're using now and, 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 in, and in the future. Right. And now with the advent of 2020 um, and the pandemic, a lot of people don't know that many companies are not going back to in-person. They're not going, they're going to stay virtual. So if you don't know how to use this computer, if you don't know how to use your phone, if you don't know how to use your tablet, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why we're really doing a heavy focus on um, technology. Um, If you don't know how to pivot, you're in trouble because robots are about to take over a whole lot of businesses. We, you know, they've been talking about it for years, but there are so many. We just went into, uh, I think it was a Taco Bell. There was one person at the register and the cooks in the back, but that's it. The person at the register did not take money. She did not take orders. You had to use a little screen to do the other thing. And believe me, once they can automate the the, the people in the back, they're going to get rid of the people in the back too. That's yeah. going to go. So what are you going to do? If this is all you know, you know, if you, if you don't know any other way, you have to. And I, I'll tell people – uh, especially when I'm coaching, the first thing I start with is what do you want to do? What, what, cause you know, all of us were, were born with a purpose. What is, you know, people think, oh, well, I don't really know how to do anything. Are you really good at cleaning? Cause they're going to, people, people going to need some people. No, you mean, you're laughing, right. but we're going to need people to clean. We're yeah. going to need people who are going to take over the jobs that other people don't want to take. Mm-hmm. And not, and I'm not talking about, oh, you're just going to make like, you know, minimal, minimum wage. They are, they are companies right now. There are huge um, contracts right now, government contracts, where they need people to come and clean the buildings where these big servers are going to be. Mm-hmm. They need people who have other people who will come and clean to keep because these machines need to stay clean. They need right. people to come and do that. But you got to know that. You got to think of that. You can't just stay stuck. What would have happened if your dad had that issue happen to him and he said, well, that's it, you know? Son, hand me a, co- a cola, and I'm just gonna watch TV and just <laughs> yeah. be with the. You know, but that's what happens. People yeah. get afraid, and they become stuck, and they say, "This is all I knew. I don't know anything else." You know, I remember when my mom. My mom was very innovative, but I remember even with her, she was like, "You know, you know, you just gotta get a job when you retire, and you have a re- you know retirement fund." I'm like, "That's in the past. That's done. Right. There, there, there are very few companies that are still doing that." And, you know, in Florida, Florida is a, a right to fire, you know, right to hire state. They can let you go and not give you a reason why they're letting you go. So those kinds of companies and that kind of business model is fading. Mm-hmm. In 2020, there were more new companies built and new millionaires made because of the Internet, because right. of technology. I um I find a few things fascinating um throughout the whole, you know, from 2020 2021 a couple of things. Um yeah, I know that this is the problem with depending on your government, but all these jobs they were throwing tons of money to people and people weren't coming back to these jobs. Right. Right. And it's like at some point they're going to just like anybody else with 
half a brain, they're going to figure out how to go around it. Right. Um, you know, the McDonald's were paying 15, 16, 17, and no one wanted these jobs because they figured I'm going to get this unemployment check. It's going to beat that. Yeah, it's going to beat that for the temporary, but what's going to happen when, as we see, things are now back in motion. Right. And the second thing, I went to a CVS during this time frame. I can't remember exactly when. This, um, I went to a couple of CVS and they got this self-serving kiosk that you're talking about. Right. And the one around the corner from me, um, I went to and I said, you know, I had a lot. I said, when are you guys going to get the um, kiosk? And wh- one of the young ladies said, I hope they never bring it. Right. I said, for each person, of, it says for each kiosk they bring in, that replaces a full-time person's salary. Yeah. And these companies are going to look at it and say, you know what? I'm going to spend this $100,000, however much the machine costs. It's going to be a huge investment now. Right. But if I can replace this person and not have to worry about health care expenses, yeah. I don't have to worry about my lack of customer service scores going down. Yeah. It's going to just looking at it from a business perspective, it's a smart decision. Right. Right. Some of our young folks today, unfortunately, they don't have they're not engineered with the customer service skills, whether it's coming from home or just whatever, the, whatever it yeah. is. They don't have good customer service. Mm-hmm. So why? risk all these other things you got workers compensated all these i can just make this huge investment right now and not have to worry about it yeah yeah well people don't know that here in um, in uh jacksonville we are one of the walmart uh test um cities so we have a ton of walmarts here and one of the walmarts that we have here doesn't have any cashiers (laughs) at all yeah there are no cashiers. No cashier. Right. There's three wow. people that stand in the front to point you at the self-serve kiosk. There are no cashiers at all. Everything is self-serve. Right. They only have the three people who point you toward the self-serve, and then they'll help you if there's an issue and reset things. But other than that, and and there are at least ten stations. Ten stations. Yeah. And you know, William has said this before. Now imagine Walmart is 24 hours, right? So that's not one person that's three shifts that have now been taken over that's 30 jobs that are now gone from that walmart right. because there are no cashiers in that walmart yeah. and you have to imagine all of them would have been meet would have made at least 20 grand a year right yeah. yep right so probably at the minimum 20 grand yeah. a year and yeah. yeah they paid that money for that they machine, paid the money it, and now long term Right. Mm-hmm. But then wrong. also um, one of the Walmarts that we, he went into, he saw um, a machine restocking. It was yeah. an inventory machine. Inventory machine. In, restocking. Uh, inventory. And it was scary. So, I'm you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the and then, you know, remember you used to watch them and do the scanning to, to see what's inventory. Yeah. There was another yeah. machine Machines. scanning wow. what was in inventory. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. And but but. Instead of freaking out and going, oh, my goodness, you know, that's it. The jobs are gone. Because I'm going to tell you, I watched a document. I'm a documentary junkie. I watched a documentary where they're going to be creating supermarkets. Where it's all in the supermarket. You drive up. You punch in everything you want. It goes and automates and puts it in the bags, brings it down, and then you put it in your car. And that's it. No cashiers. No, nothing. The machine is an entire building that will be created specifically to just do this, where you just drive up, 
punch everything in, it puts it in bags for you, and you don't even have to shop. You just put it right into your car. Wow. So, but instead of freaking out, think about, okay, um, if you're mechanically inclined, these machines are going to need servicing. Yeah. You're going to need, they're going to need to be serviced, right? They're going to need other things. Think outside the box. And sometimes, and this is what I try to encourage you with, you know, the creative um, exercises. Think about what didn't they think about? Mm-hmm. Think about what didn't they think about. And once you get it, you'll know and create something and then present it. And you can create your own job. Mm-hmm. You can say, oh, I see you have all of this, but you don't have this. And I can provide this. And then I can provide the training to train other people to do this in other source. That's a fascinating discussion. Yeah. And our, and our kids need to understand that that even though they're in school to get a particular type of education, don't let that stop them from learning about the world around them. Mm -hmm. Being like I just was saying, being creative and find a reason to learn as much as possible to apply their learning because understanding the language is important as well. So when they're hearing people talk about robotics and artificial intelligence and augmented reality and virtual reality, they can have those conversations and they may hear somebody say, well, we need an artist to design a world for our virtual reality and they have those skills and they can step up and say, well, I know how to design a world in the metaverse or I know how to design a world in alt space. You know, I can draw, I can design and create, recreate or create their, um, their, their future career that they're going to need. Um, which kind of leads me straight into the next chapter. (laughs) Um, for the parents out there that's getting their kids these uh uh oculus oculus yeah yeah um explain this uh new world that our kids are being introduced to uh you briefly touched on it, the metaverse um for those that are not in the know explain exactly what the metaverse is well the metaverse are, are digital worlds that you can walk through as an avatar so I give a perfect example. Um, if you're old enough, if you remember the the, the cartoon The Jetsons, <laughs> and imagine you're one of the characters in The Jetsons, and you can do all that stuff, but that's your avatar, and and you can talk to other people, you can experience things that are going on, but you don't have the the, the physical feedback relating to actually feeling your environment, but you're engaged in your environment. You can see people, you can talk to people, but you're looking at a digital representation of who they are. So you have the movies like The Matrix that's similar, you know, where you plug into the world. Um, there's, a, there's a movie years ago with Bruce Willis called Symbiotes, where they would put on the glasses and lay back on, on, um, on recliners or couches or something, and you're your your consciousness is immersed into a robot and you're walking around and the robot is perfect and you know the skin tone is perfect the eye color is perfect the body everything is perfect about it but you're controlling it with your mind and you know worlds like that 
um, represent what the metaverse is moving into, but there's still virtual worlds that are growing and developing. And um, uh, using the Oculus gives you the, the feeling of where you can use your hands, you have arms, um, you may not have legs, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of strange, <laughs> but, um, you know, you're going into these worlds that people are creating and you're talking to people, you know, around the world and, and you're, you're experiencing things with them. Um, we actually are uh, helping a friend of ours with a church in the metaverse. Um, and, and it gives a true meaning to being in the spirit of God as opposed to just physically being in service and, and you have to really prepare yourself for being in the spirit but understanding your place and your position in, in the real world environment. Explain that. Explain that further. Well, like with anything new technology wise, you don't want to get caught up in an immersive world where you think this immersive world is better than the real world. Mm. Because eventually you're going to have to come out of that immersive world and deal with real world experiences. So it's fun to get in there and get engaged and do stuff, but you're going to find that you, you have to find a purpose and a reason for what you're doing in there, whether it's designing worlds, whether it's being able to travel around the world and, and being on virtual field trips to like the Grand Canyon or the oceans. Um, we went to a, um, uh, one of the uh, virtual worlds with the International Space Station. And I tell you, it's, it's almost like being there where you can see the planet Earth, you can see the astronauts, you can see the space station. And looking at these worlds that, that, are, re are, that are recorded, but they represent real events, it gives you a different perspective of the world around you. And you may not financially or physically be able to do that, but you can see it through the metaverse. Mm. And, and that experience is really, um, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, you, you just sometimes are overwhelmed that, hey, I can actually see, actually see the International Space Station, what it looks like in space, and see the astronauts and, and look at the planet and understand, okay, our planet is blue, we got clouds, but also how fragile it is if we continue to, you know, to, to destroy it with pollution and not take care of it like we're supposed to. And the global, you know, understanding more about the global climate change, getting those kind of perspectives. So after you get over the initial oomph of it, then you think, well, well, how can I use it to teach myself or educate myself about what's going on? Yeah. So the, the metaverse really gives you, the, um, especially in the Oculus, you have this completely immersive experience. Mm -hmm. So um, and imagine if you could build a world, a house, for example, or something that you've always wanted and you can actually move around in that space, except that you're still in your house. Right. You're in this virtual house that you can move around. You can add what you want. You can make it look the way you want. And it, you know, it's, it looks exactly the way you want. You have a view you've always yeah. dreamed of. You know, you have the car you've always wanted. It's sitting right out there. And that, I think, is the fun and the danger of the metaverse. You know, I, people really don't like talking to me when we start talking <laughs> about metaverse stuff. Because they're like, I hate to use this. So I'm like, no, we have to be very careful, especially as the body of Christ, because, um, 
the experience uh, uh, in the uh, the first meta church is the the name of the church. It is great. It is you can definitely feel the, the spirit of God. You can be around other believers. The wonderful thing is people come from around the world, so you have an opportunity to minister. Mm-hmm. But you want to encourage them, like, okay, this is great, but now go to your church, like go to your church and find, meet people. You mentioned earlier uh, about our kids lacking customer service skills. Why? Because they're always in a... Yeah. They don't even know how to talk to each other. You know, if you've ever been around teenagers, especially girls, but boys too, but girls are worse, okay? (laughs) You know, go into a room full of teenage girls, and they're all... And you go, don't you want to talk to each other? And they're like, we are. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're in your phone. What do you mean you're talking to each other? They're talking to each other on the phone. So we need to find ways to, and, you know, there's a great movie. It's called Ready Player One. So if you never got to see it, need to see it. Um, It is a very good representation of the metaverse, of what could happen, of how immersive. If you you have watched the movie, the entire world is watching what's happening in this virtual space. Everyone's stuck to their phones or with their um, headsets, you know, there, there's also going to be what they call haptics, which is the bodysuit that they, you see in the movie where it gives you vibrations, so you feel like someone was next to you, you can feel that you know, that sensation man, listen, you know, and and, and it's funny because I love my Oculus, okay so I'm not speaking <laughs> against Oculus <laughs> I love going into the metaverse, I'm, I just especially as a creative, I have so much fun with it, but I also have to remind myself, okay, real time Real time, real world. Right. Time to do stuff in the real world. And even this time when I'm like, okay, I'm looking at it and I'm like, nope, not tonight. We're going to do something in the real world because, you know, it engages your mind. It engages your mind yeah. and allows you to create. And as a creator, I'm like, oh, yes, this is great. But then I got to remind myself, God has a purpose for me here. Mm-hmm. He has a purpose for me there, too, because I say to believers, if you if you're in it, Definitely be in it. Um, I have a, uh, I created a space called The Haven, mm-hmm. and mainly because there are going to be so many people who are going to be immersed in, and I'm going to be just honest with people who are listening, this, there's going to be all kinds of debauchery going on in the metaverse, because you could be anything you want to be, right. act any way you want to act, just be whatever, and there's there's no control. Right. There's no, there's no filtering or anything. No like that. filtering. There's, you know, you could walk into a space. There's 18 plus rooms and all kinds of stuff. And people are gonna need a way to get away. They're gonna need believers that they can come to. And people will be like, okay, let's pull you out of this. Let's encourage you to come away, uh, just like in the real world. Um, I just feel like for me that, especially when it comes to kids, parents buying the Oculus. Number one, the Oculus lets you know that parents, kids, should be 13 and older. There's very real reasons for that. Um, the young minds are still not fully developed. You even have to be careful with your 13-year-olds. Don't just, like, let them be whatever because, you know, the metaverse, alt space, um, infiniverse, all of those spaces are open and free mm-hmm. to the public. And there's plenty of times I'm in a room and there are little, little kids in the room. And I'm thinking, right. where are your parents? <laughs> where are your parents? Because right. your parents don't know me. You, they don't know who I am. What I'm, you don't, they don't even know what I'm, you know, you, sometimes you can hear the parents in the background saying, who are you talking to? But, you know, they, I had a, one little kid that was saying, you don't, you're new here, aren't you? And, you know, trying to show me how to use the controls. Hmm. So that tells me how long they've been in this space that they already know how to use the controls. Right. So 
be very mindful of that. You know, I tell people, don't be afraid, but be informed. You want to know what's going on. You want to know more about the space because oftentimes when parents, especially when we're teaching um, cybersecurity and things like that, they'll say, oh, that's, that's not a big deal. That's not coming. I'm like, listen, your kids are already in the already metaverse. They've been in the metaverse. They play Roblox, they're in the metaverse. They play um, Minecraft, they're in the metaverse. They're playing, uh, what's that other one? Fortnite? They're in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. They're already there. Even if they're not immersed with an Oculus, they're already in the space. Right. So this is coming. It's coming quickly, faster than anyone expected. Words like metaverse, VR, mm-hmm. AR have exploded in the last four months. Right. Since Facebook decided to call themselves Meta, it's been an explosion across the the internet. What um for parents that do have a Oculus, um, what are some of the uh, safeguarding steps that they can take? I think one of them, one of the first one is to make sure your Oculus is paired to either your TV or your computer so you can see where your child is going. That's one of the important things. It's like, cause if you can't, if you can't see where your child is going, like Aida was saying, you don't know who they're talking to. You don't know who they're engaged with. You don't know what they're seeing. And you know, when you're in alt space, you know, you can like teleport between different places and they'll have a notice that comes up that said that this room is unintended. This room is, uh, is not monitored. So you could be in there, you know, by yourself, but then you have, like I was saying, you can have other people come into the room and start a conversation. So just imagine, you know, you don't let your child just walk around your community neighborhood by themselves and let them speak to anything, anybody. It's the same with the metaverse and, and alt space because it's just open area and open room. Um, find out the directions on how to connect their Oculus with their big screen TV or their computer so they can watch their children and listen to the conversations that they're having with people and, and set rules and guidelines, you know, let them know just like stranger danger in real life, stranger danger, you know, in alt space in the metaverse, you know, you can't afford just to talk to anybody. So Oculus itself also has, um, set up inside you can if you have you know because you can have more than one account you can set up an account that has restrictions and let me tell you the other thing about the oculus is that listen i don't like horror movies i don't like anything having to do with that kind of stuff and there are sometimes you know it'll come up and you have to understand it's it's just like me used to standing in front of me talking to me you're completely immersed. This thing is covering your eyes. You don't see anything around you. You're completely immersed. And, you know, these videos can pop up, and it's scary, especially for someone who's young or someone who, who's not comfortable with that. You know, I, I was telling him, there was one point, I was like, whoa, I took it right off. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I don't like that. A scary, spooky roller coaster, and it had this crazy-looking clown. I'm like, no, no, we all right. <laughs> I took it off. I'm like, hun, I'm gonna need you to change that for me. <laughs> I don't even want to go back in there. It's okay. But also, um, for parents, don't just give it to them. Use it. Mm. You go in there. See what's happening in there, so that right. you understand that when they when they're talking, what they're talking about. Because I've seen parents just buy stuff. Be like, oh yeah, he wanted one, and you're like, right. oh, you ever used it? No. 
Well, that's like giving them a car. You don't even know how to use the car. You're just handing it to him. You don't even know how to use it yourself. Go and get in there. Mm. If you decide this isn't for me, at least know what they're doing. Know what, why it's so interesting. Why is it, again, going back to those conversations, having a conversation like, okay, that's great. I'm going to let you use this for a little bit. Like he said, set up parameters. I would not, um, especially if you have, you have concern, I wouldn't just leave it there all day while you're at work and the kids right. are home all day long and, you know, they could just yes. jump on it and Lord only knows, Lord you know, only just knows. lock it up if you need to put it away until Mm-hmm. You know that, okay, I understand that my child is now responsible. I trust them to do the responsible thing. Because when when you think about spiritual warfare, where is the battlefield? It's in the mind. And here's this thing right. where the enemy, and I'm sorry, I'm not saying that it's only the enemy, but he can use it to create right. what God has created naturally, right? Amen. So he's trying to create spaces and do things. Now, there are godly people also trying to create fun spaces and useful spaces to do things. But remember, we still have the same battle we have here. We have there. The difference is there. They have the entire mind. Mm -hmm. Their eye portal is completely immersed. You can hear everything. So their ears, you know, half the time I'm so lost. (laughs) 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 You said something, honey. So, you know, so imagine for a young mind, a young developing mind. Yeah. It's just like that phone. Look at how that phone mesmerizes us. Right. The tablet mesmerizes us. So imagine now we're taking that phone or tablet and whatever's in it and putting it right here and immersing us inside this whole world. And now we get to talk to our friends and we need to do, we get to do all these things. Is definitely this is the time for parents right. to learn about it, become a part of it, understand it, and then have those conversations and set up those yeah. guidelines. And understand too that 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 what when we're talking to our kids or they're talking to their kids, they're talking to their kids in their in their conscious mind as well. But what's happening in their their not conscience mind in, in the depths of their memories and their thoughts because a child may see something and not say anything then, but later on they may contemplate it or it may come back to them. Oh, I saw something in there. I didn't understand. I need to go back in and look at it again. Well, that is a temptation that, you know, they may not understand. Like I was saying, it may draw them in something visually but then if a person is talking to them and trying to get them engaged in something that they shouldn't be in that the child's not going to know and then you know you know through your eyes you see what's going on around you but in your mind and your heart you take that in and and we as christians need to understand when our children take that in when they take that oculus off they are back in their world but that starts to come out in their home. So when parents start wondering, why are you acting that way? Or why are you talking this way? Or why are you, why are you deviating from the faith that we're, that we're learning about or we're sharing? Or why are your behaviors 
opposite of what we're trying to teach you as a family and as Christians, then you have to go back and say, okay, where are they? What are they doing? Who are they talking to? And, and what's going on? Because that's a, that itself is a process. You know, you go in there and you're looking at worlds and you're enjoying them and you get, like I even say, you get immersed in. But with kids, it's not only the mind, but also, you know, they're, they're absorbing stuff in their subconscious and sometimes in their spirit as well because they're seeing stuff and they want to know more. They're curious, but the enemy is like, yeah, I'm going to show you more, but I'm also going to slowly, gradually change you. And you may not understand it, but when you take that Oculus off and you're in your real world, your behavior is going to gradually change, too, to where you're going to want to come back. And not only are you going to want to come back in here, you're going to want to share with other people, with your friends, to bring them in. So, like I said, the enemy works in, in, in different ways, sly, subtle, deceitful. And we have to be really careful about, like Aida was saying, just letting our kids go in and not setting parameters and guidelines and exploring, you know, exploring ourselves. And, and going back to what I said before, we don't want to be fearful. We want to be informed. Mm-hmm. The way we're informed is we go in, we check, we check it out. Because, you know, parents got to be careful, too. I, right. You know, I, like I, you heard me say how much I enjoy being in my Oculus. I have to be cautious with it myself. Because I'm a gamer. I've been a gamer since I was a kid. That you know, I've been into technology and gaming since long before girls were into technology and gaming. <laughs> All of my girls are into technology and gaming. Same thing when they were coming up and they were teenagers. All these games that were coming out and they would want to spend all day long. I'd remind them there's time for that, but then there's time for life, like real mm-hmm. life. So these kids are playing games. You know, think about your Playstations, your Wii, and all these other, you know, all these other gaming things where your kids will be there all day long. They'll just be. Mm-hmm. So now, again, going back to now, they can be fully immersed in this game that they love so much. It's the same process. The only thing I say to parents is do it in a loving way, right? Because if you if you just do it with anger, oh, no, right. we're not going to do that, and right. you snatch it away from them, and you just, you know, no, we just, that's not only, that's only going to encourage them to want to do it again without right. you around. Mm. Show them right. that you're a part of the process. Like, hey, I, I think that's cool. Let's take a look at it. Show me what you're doing. Right. Show me right. why, why you like that game so much. What is it about that game that's so fascinating? My daughter, years ago, she was into the Sims game. It's a virtual reality game where you you create a life and you create homes and you do all kinds of stuff. And this, she was so into this game. And I tell people, she was so into this game that she is now Mrs. Sims. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how that happened. But she is literally Mrs. Sims. But um, the, the long story is I told her one day, I said, all the hours that you spend creating this virtual life, you could be creating a real life. Mm-hmm. And one day it hit her like, you know what? You're right. And she started laying it down and started working on her real life. Now, that could have gone a very different way if I was just like, give me those games. You cannot do this. Anymore. You know what I mean? I yeah. wanted her to see for herself. This is fun. And, then, and I don't want you to stop. This is what you love to do because you can make a living off of this. And by the way, parents, kids can make a living off right. of doing these games off of the metaverse, off of the VR, they can create worlds. And that's what you should be encouraging. You know what? Instead of living in this virtual world, how about creating a world? Show me what you can do on paper. What would you do? What would you create if you could create it? Encourage them to use those creative skills 
so that they don't become consumers of this product, but they become producers. And if you're teaching them and, and raising them in the admonition of the Lord and showing them to be loving and, and, and ministerial, then they could be creating worlds where God can be found. Right. They could be the creators of the next meta church. They could right. be the creators of the next haven. They, whatever it is, so that they know, so now they know like, hey, you know, oh, that's a fun game, but you know, I created this game. It was really cool, but you know, kids don't even know that they're learning scripture along the way. Whatever it may be. Mm. They could be creators instead of just consumers. But we only can do that is if we encourage kids and not make them feel bad for enjoying something that really in the long run is quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, with the Church of Christ, um, they're going to have to start moving in a way with lectureships and workshops and conferences and seminars into learning how to bring that into teaching um, about the process of, okay, you want to go in virtual worlds? Well, these are virtual worlds that you can visit. Um, figure out a reason why you're going in that world. What's the purpose of you going in that world? Um, but also, you know, monitor your faith, monitor what you're watching, monitor what you're intaking and what you're sharing with your family and what you're hearing. Um, because we are, you know, at, at troubling times now where people can be so influenced with technology, just looking at social media posts and content, but now you have the alt space, the metaverse, and, and different worlds that are being created. And the challenge for the body of Christ is to keep Christ centered in line with our faith, but also knowing that he goes with us wherever we go in spirit mm-hmm. and in truth, and we take that with us even in digital spaces. And, and our representation of him is even our behavior in these spaces because, you know, you know, God looks at our heart. He knows, he sees, he, he understands. So if we start making changes and taking our, our vision away from him, that creates a problem not just for us but our family. And, um, you know, we have to be steadfast and not just studying the word, practicing the word, but also, you know, iron sharpens iron. I always believe that, you know, you, you, know, you stay faithful, but you, you stay connected with people that are like, maybe they're not in the metaverse and maybe they, they see slight changes in your behavior. You know, you're acting a little bit different. You're not, you know, you're not focusing on the Lord like you used to or you're not being engaged in fellowship. So, you know, it encompasses all of us working together and keeping us on point. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, I'm going to get ready to let you guys go, but I want you also, before we head out, um, explain to people um, more of the virtual world where we're going with NFTs and uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, you guys gave me a slight education about it um, last week, um, but explain. Um, I know Miss Jackson was had tons and abundance right. of information about NFTs. Um, so whoever wants to take that, explain what NFT is. Well, I'll start from a from a, a teaching perspective, um, and then Aida will get into the, the other part. Um, I'm still learning a lot, um, and Aida guides me along as well. Uh, the NFT, the art part, is understand, uh, kids understand that they can, create music, they can create art, 
they can be creative and innovative and have a chance to be business owners and entrepreneurs by taking their art and creating them as NFTs and minting them, but also being able to sell them online um, globally. And that allows them to bring more value to what they create, more value to what they make, um, more value in, in putting themselves in something that they create that they have ownership of. So if someone purchases, purchase their artwork or their music or their blog or their writing, they still remain um, owners of that work and can receive residual monies from the work that they sell. It also um, promotes them as an expert in that particular area that they're in. So it keeps them in a creative mindset and a business mindset. So in, in my classes, I, I try to teach the kids have a business mindset, have a entrepreneurial mindset and a creative mindset because this is where your future is going to. And I joke with them all the time. I'm like, I'm the old man. You know, I, I, I remember when the internet was just text and I was learning about it. You know, I remember Tim Berners Lee coming out with the first browser and people can see the internet and AOL. So I share that with them and I let them know, you know, being my age, you know, born in the 60s, you know, I understood there was no Internet, then ARPANET, then what we have now. But their future is their immersion part and them being creators and business owners and that they have to be able to communicate and talk about what they're learning and apply it. And, and unfortunately, education is sometimes two or three years behind business that's why sometimes business has an issue with education because business is like, well, you need to be teaching these kids now so when we can hire them, they can start working for us and doing It's like, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. These kids need to be creatives and innovators to be able to market themselves to be entrepreneurs, not just a, a, a cog and a, 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 a peg and a cog, and you're using them. They have to be independent thinkers and critical thinkers. So that's my job as a teacher. Um, when Aida explains it, it's the creative aspect and putting things on the blockchain and the other parts that go along with it. So, you know, when you start, you start with the basics and then you, you know, you move up from there. And I, I encourage them, don't try to learn everything at one time. You know, it's a process. Watch YouTube videos, talk to experts, talk to people. Don't be throwing money at stuff because that's a, that's a good way to get your, your, your bank account messed up, your mind messed up, your family messed up, your wife or your girlfriend mad at you and stuff. And it's like, you know, plan it out, have a purpose and a, and, and a strategic reason for doing what you're doing. Okay. So that's my take. So I'll turn it over to my wife. <laughs> get out the way. And get out of the way. Set it out. <laughs> Because I don't want her looking at me later. I'm like, you did not say this, this, and this. I'm like, well, I was in the moment. <laughs> well, let's start back to the beginning. An NFT be is a, a, a non-fungible token. So it basically just means it's something that it cannot be recreated, right? So each um, thing, when it what mincing is, is when you're actually putting it onto the, the blockchain. So you're preparing it so that it can be sold, package it up together, basically, what, however it is that you're going to put it. Um, and so when you do that, it gets this long, long number. And it's a, the, it's, it can be um, 
pretty complicated to explain, but it's just basically a really, really long number that says this thing is that thing. So whatever it is, it's that number. There's no other like it anywhere. So it shows that it's one of a kind. So that's what basically what an NFT is. So people right now are using it for artwork. They're using it for music, as um, William was saying. People are using um, what they call, um, they do with contracts. So people are putting their mortgages. They're putting contracts on there. They're putting um, books, e-books on NFT. So there's lots of ways to to use the NFT. Um, right now, people are purchasing NFTs. Uh, some people are purchasing them for um Maybe say for example with artwork or with music because they 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 want to support the artist they want to support the the um or they like the work the whatever the song is or the the art piece is but most people are are purchasing to sell to resell so they're doing it as a um an investment so that's why you see a lot of people like oh I'm gonna buy an NFT and look I bought this NFT um so like William was saying we're actually still really new and learning. But I am so fascinated by this thing that <laughs> I'm like I you know, like I like I tell you the documentary person in me is just consuming all this um, information trying to learn more about it. The reason I'm excited about NFTs and the blockchain and cryptocurrency is because, especially for um, people of color, mm-hmm. this is a, a new opportunity for us to start creating wealth and creating spaces for us in places where um, we didn't have space. So the great thing about NFTs and the blockchain and and cryptocurrency is that it's what's called decentralized, meaning that there is no central location for anything. Um, So, for example, a central location is like you have a central bank, right? So And that bank has, you know, different branches. But there is a main bank for that. Um, the, The decentralized nature of this is that there's no one guiding who can be a part of this and who can't be a part of this. There's no one keeping you out if you want to be a part of it because there is no there is no one person, um, according to how this is supposed to work. Uh, we all know that people will find ways around that, but that's how it's supposed to work. So that means, for example, William and his classroom, they have created NFTs. And those individual students can actually mint those NFTs. And they, with their parents, they can create what's called um, a, wa- you know, a wallet, which is where they'll have their cryptocurrency. And people around the world can actually purchase those NFTs. So that's an opportunity for each and every student in his classroom. And no one can tell them they can't do that, right? No one can tell their parents they can't do that. Um, they can do other things. Maybe one is a musician. Maybe they have a, a parent that's a musician or a cousin or a friend. Well, they can put their music on uh, MP4 or MP3 or whatever it may be, and then they can mint that to the blockchain, and they can sell their music in a different way. So this is the, the exciting part of what NFTs can be. And we're just scratching the surface. Um, there are people who've been doing this for years Years and years, you know, um, I and when I say years, probably like around two, 2014, many people already got into it. They were like on it with the, you know, I get it, and they were already into it. Even when you think of uh, Bitcoin, a lot of people have heard what Bitcoin is, but Bitcoin is a, a type of cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, when it first started, was, what did I say? It was like 50 cents, 50 a cents dollar or something. Right. 
People bought a $10 worth of Bitcoin, $15 worth of Bitcoin. Not sure, I'll buy 100 whatever. The Bitcoin now, Bitcoin, actual Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is worth, I think, and it fluctuates every day, so it's not, it's still not stable. But right now, Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is somewhere in like uh, $41,000 for one Bitcoin. So imagine if you bought back when it was a dollar a coin, where you'd be now, which is why there are new millionaires, right? Because they bought Bitcoin way back when. There is actually, we watched this uh, newscast where this guy is actually digging up in a giant uh, dump, like, you know, we, where all your tra- landfill, where all the, the trash goes, because his computer has, what was it, $1,000 worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> In the computer or something. He said, like, there's a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin in his computer, and he's going to find this computer so that he can get that Bitcoin out of there. Because he didn't think it was – he got rid of the computer back when the computer was, like, you know, when Bitcoin wasn't much of nothing. So he was, like, no big deal, and it wasn't a big deal. But now Bitcoin being worth what it's worth per coin – He's like, there's close to a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin yeah. in that one computer. And he's like, and I'm going to find that computer. computer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find it. Yeah. So he's digging every single day looking mm-hmm. for this one computer. So um, Bitcoin right now is the only one that's at that price. But Bitcoin was the starter, right? So there's other cryptocurrencies. You can create your own cryptocurrency, but there's other cryptocurrencies. Um, so... When you purchase an NFT, you purchase it with cryptocurrency. So that's how that works. So it's not like, you you know, um, I minted my NFTs and you can come give me $20. You have to buy it through the blockchain using cryptocurrency, using your wallet. And then when you purchase it, that whatever you purchased it for will go into my wallet. And that's how, how that works. The difference is, especially for artists and those who are creators, is that in the past, when I sell a piece of artwork, I sold my artwork. And maybe I had it in a gallery, so maybe the gallery owner might get a percentage and then I'll get a, you know the rest, but then that's it. So if you own my artwork, you can resell my artwork, but I don't get anything. Mm. With an NFT, if I own the artwork and, you, and I sell it to you, but you resell it, you, excuse me, you get money and then I get money. Yeah. And then if the next person sells it, they get money and I get money. And if the next person sells it, they get money and I get money. So that's how why people are investing in these NFTs. Because once you get a really valuable one, you make money and the other person makes yeah. money. You continuously get the residuals from the, from the selling of them. Mm-hmm. And we have NFTs. So if anyone looks up NFTs, they're going to be like, no way. But yes way. They have these ugly, ugly apes. Board apes. And, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. They are ugly. But, you know, some of them are selling for $400,000. A piece of digital artwork that really is, whew, okay. Um, there's one piece by... Uh, um, and that's, that's our opinion. That We don't want to yeah, insult I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not trying to insult anyone yeah, about that. Our <laughs> but, I mean, if I want to see an ape, I'll oh, go yeah. to the zoo or something. <laughs> so, I'll look at National Geographic. But, <laughs> but it's, a, it's a cartoon, so it's very interesting. It's interesting. But the one thing about NFTs that's also great is what's called... They, they have projects surrounding them. So um, you can support a charity... 
Um, you can support a project. Um, you can, you know, use, yet, you know, whatever part of what you're selling and support, you know, something that's going on. There's a young lady, her, uh, she was 13. Yes. 13. She made, she started creating these pictures of ladies called the long necky ladies. Not naked, necky, long necked. Mm-hmm. Um, so she started creating these long necked pictures of women. She's a millionaire now, um, wow. selling her NFTs. Right. And these are digital products. These are digital products. But she sold them, and then maybe someone else sold it, and then someone else sold it, and before you mm-hmm. know it, then other people want it because, you know, that's another thing, you know, scarcity mentality. Um, and, right. and, and, and there are many stories like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask one silly question. Back to the guy at the landfill. Um, so Bitcoin doesn't belong to, let's just say, like a PayPal account. Like once you download it, it's on a particular computer. And like, how does that work that he has to go look in a landfill for his, his Bitcoins? So um, it actually is connected to your wallet. I really don't know why, because I asked him, I was asking uh, William, I was like, why does he got to get that particular computer? He might have all of the information to get into his wallet, because that's the other thing about um Bitcoin about NFTs is security, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like I can give you my password to my my wallet and you could just jump in. The password is a long password, long password. Mm-hmm. and it's you know they tell you that's it. Once you, it's not like you know I call my bank and I'm like, dang, I forgot my password. Can you give me my password? Your bank would be like, oh yeah, you know, just reset it here. That's not how it works. No. You lose the password, you don't. You right. lost it. No. Oh. Okay. And everything you, you is lost digital. everything. Yeah. You lost everything, and it is digital. So um, most passwords are like twelve words long, oh and you need to hold on to that and save it and protect it. And because if I get a hold of your password, your twelve word password, I can get into your wallet, mm-hmm. and I can wow. just take your money. It's not, yeah. you know, that's it's that that's secure. Like if I can, you know, if I know your your world your words. And I can go in, and I know how to get into whatever. Then um, yeah. it's a wrap. I got your 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 coins. And since it's, since it's decentralized, you'll hear that word. You can't go to the authority yeah. and say, "Hey, you know, su- you know, I believe such and such, you know, hack my, you know, yeah. hack my wallet." There's is, there's no central place to go complain or wow. file a yeah. complaint. Right. Um, and that's good and bad, but um, people, you know, when you hear centralized and decentralized, you know, that's in the security part of it yeah. as well. So um, Bitcoin, the that also, it so it broke up into smaller coins. The next smallest coin is Ethereum. Ethereum is $3,000, $4,000 a coin right now. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's what I'm saying, like this. So when people are like, oh, but, you know, we're never going to give up our paper money. Well, I got news for you. Um, you need to learn about this mm-hmm. in some way, somehow, because eventually that's where we're trying They're trying to move us toward. Right. Yeah. The only issue right now, it's not stable enough to do it. But we have entire countries that are saying, you know what? We're going to start right. accepting Bitcoin as a form of currency. So mm-hmm. there's. Countries in Africa that are seriously looking at, no, you know, this is going to be a form of currency for us. We will accept it. So if you have a wallet, um, I think the other country is, um, I think it's El Salvador. Um, they have, and then they're, 
they're accepting Bitcoin in stores and, and wherever you go. They have more wallets per capita than anywhere else because this is where they're moving. Mm-hmm. And the more we move toward this, the less and less people are going to want to take cash. Yes. Right. And, and that's just, you know, and people can say, oh, that's never going to happen. Well, I remember growing up and I had an 8-track tape and people said, I'm never going to give up that. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I had, and I was a DJ, and I had my little LPs and stuff. I used to have them in crates and stuff. And people were like, "Oh, we're never going to give up our LPs, not for no CD." Okay, well, that went out the, yeah, the door. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then, oh, we're never going to give up our CDs because this is the latest and the greatest. And people yeah. walking around with iPods. Listen, right. it, it's coming. Whether you mm. like it, whether you want it, don't want it. Mm. That's why I say be educated, right. learn about it, know what what it is. Don't let anybody because you can definitely get the okie doke with the Bitcoin exactly. and the NFTs, and people will sell it to you, and they'll be like, "Look, it's only five hundred dollars," and then you know that's a steal. And and meanwhile, yeah. there's no you know you could lose a lot of money. Like you said, don't start buying stuff and just right. trying to think you're investing and you don't know what you're doing. And 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 some of us are part of the the um, BB generation. You know what that is, right? So, so, uh uh-uh. uh. The blockbuster generation. <laughs> how, many, how many of us still have blockbusters, blockbuster stuff in our in our closet or cabinet that when they shut down, oh, I should have took my blockbuster stuff back. Oh, when, when I saw um, when I saw Captain Marvel, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and the. And to see the blockbuster that she crashed through, I was like, oh, I right. remember yeah, those yeah. days, like yesterday. <laughs> exactly. And I think on Netflix or somewhere, there's a documentary about the last blockbuster store somewhere in, like, Oregon or something. Isn't that incredible that Netflix would host that particular documentary? Because Go figure. Because they did not think that Netflix right. would knock them way out of business. Yeah. Yep. That is a perfect example of it's never going to happen. And people refusing to pivot and saying it's never going to happen and not looking at what's happening. Not really, you know, just because we say it's not so doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And there's going to, and what we need to see is, uh, William does this great presentation. And in the beginning of the presentation, he talks about how, like, it took 50 million people, how many years, like 10 years or something to get on the radio. And then it took um, five years for 50 million people to get on television. Mm -hmm. And 50 million people, it took them one year to, you know, three years to get on the Internet. Mm -hmm. It took 50 million people one year to get on Facebook. Like, it's moving. It moves faster, faster and faster each and every time. So that's why when we see it and we hear it, you start hearing these words. You know, when the minute Facebook turned its name to to Meta, Meta, We started looking up, what is this? What is this? You know, I was on that computer. I'm searching, why Meta? What is Meta? What does that mean? You know, we started going into clubhouse rooms, listening. We started researching it online, reading about it. Why? There was a reason they did that. Why did they do that? What does that mean? What is happening? What is the change that's coming? Facebook owns Oculus. Oh, now that makes sense. That's why the metaverse, why the, the name changed to Meta. Why is the big push toward metaverse and VR and all this other stuff. Okay. But people don't even know that there are doctors right now. It's not the, with Oculus. It's called the um, the Halo. Halo. Mm-hmm. It's a, another type of VR headset. They're, they're looking into performing 
operations mm-hmm. using the halo because they can actually go deeper into the areas instead of just looking at the tissue they can actually move in with this you know this thing to see exactly what's going on deeper um yeah. this school here is called the bowl school they have this new table i forgot the name of the table I did too, but it's, it's called the armatrize armatrize something like that and it's you know how you used to have the skeleton in the in the science room? Yeah. It's, it's, it's that version in a table. So mm. you can see the skeletal system. You can see the skin. Mm. You can open it up. You can see the inside, inside. of the body. Right. You can open up organs. And it's all virtual. And they can touch it. And they can open it. They can pull it out. They can move it around. They can right. look at the heart and all of this. It's amazing. It's amazing what they can do with technology. Right. Yeah. And and to bring it to a close, you know, it, it the intuitiveness of the human brain takes me back to the the Tower of Babel. Right. Where even God knew, you know what? This mankind I created is too smart. If I don't stop this <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, you know, you had to make different tongues for different people. And then you see how that turns into all these different languages throughout the world and it's just so forth and so on. It's just God made us very intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this was a very yeah. fascinating interview. I think this was probably as far left um, uh, <laughs> a conversation that could be had that's considered religious realm. Um, right. But I think a lot of the things you guys are into and a lot of the things you guys are talking about are very needful, uh, very helpful. I believe last time we talked, you know, you guys were talking about how some of the churches are still using cassette tapes. Right. Like, I mean, we're way past that. And, and, and while we're holding on to our Bibles and as great as that is, the world around us is rapidly moving past us. Right. Yeah. And um, we have to, and to be able to continue to save souls, regenerate souls, we got to, be able to somewhat talk in the same language that they're speaking. Absolutely. And, you know, when people ask me, how do I merge my faith with all of this? And I love the fact that we have uh, on Clubhouse, it is Christians in the metaverse. It's other Christians who recognize we can't turn a blind eye. How do I talk to you about where where you're at? And you're talking to me about the metaverse, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know what that is. I don't... I. That's dumb. That's that's not right. of God. You know what I mean? That you just turned off an entire conversation. Mm-hmm. But if I at least at the very least, I don't have to understand everything about it. But at the very least, if I can understand where you're coming from, I can talk to that mm-hmm. part and then help you to see like, OK, that's great. Just like I tell people, murder is great, but you need real life. Right. Yeah. Because this this is. We were created in skin. This is, you know, God wanted us to hold hands yeah. and talk to one another and praise right. together. And while it's great to be in there, that's not enough because yeah. we weren't created for that. We were created right. for something more. And this is more enriching than that can be. That's fun. But this is enriching. This is real life. Yeah. But if you can't speak to that and all you can say is, oh, no, that, that's not good. That's then you just turned off an opportunity there. Yeah. And, and I don't want to go totally out of context, but it's like when Paul says, I became all things oh, to all right. men. I got to be able to capture the essence of the person. Right. Um, exactly. Before this goes 
to the next level. Next level. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So you guys, give me your, uh, how can people get a hold of you guys? Um, Miss Jackson, um, plug us to some of the things you're connected to, uh, Instagram, Twitter, websites, all that stuff. So I'm easy. Uh, everything is at Love Built Life. So that if, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, if you're on LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. I'm at Love Built Life. Um, just that's yeah. it. Love Built Life. Yeah. Love Built Life. Love Facebook. Built life. You can find me. Just put at you know put Love Built Life. Love Built being one word and life, and um, or just at Love Built Life as one whole word, and you'll find me. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Jackson, yourself and myself is my quest to teach. Um, that's my brand. I'm going to start with my blog again, Church of Christ and Social Media WordPress.com. I started a few years ago and really delved into the concepts and ideas of digital ministry and digital evangelism and um, got off a little bit off track with other stuff that was going on in the same context, but um, that as well. And um, uh, Facebook, you know. William Jackson, um, LinkedIn, um, William Jackson. Um, even if you do a Google search for my quest to teach, it'll come up uh, with the, the stuff that um, that we're doing together, stuff that we're doing separate. Um, if you're on uh, Clubhouse, uh, it's uh, my quest to teach. And, um, you know, just trying to, you know, provide content, provide information, and, you know, where you see one, you see the other, and that's the beauty of it. You know, you'll see us both together. And uh, it's, it's not easy all the time. You know, there are challenges. You know, I, I, I sometimes I shake my head at myself and, like, how you put up with me? It's like, oh, you're such a good woman. I'm like, I'm off the chain. Hey, I'm a Gemini, and I have ADHD and all that kind of stuff. Never medicated, but always caffeinated. And, oh, that's a good one. I got to use that one. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Anyway, we're like this, you know, He's, quite yeah, often. Yeah. All, all the time. I got terrible dad jokes. The kids in my school, they just roll their eyes and like, <laughs> really, Mr. Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you mentioned uh-huh. scripture earlier, and then one that I always think of because sometimes I'm like, am I going too far? And then I remember the scripture lets us know that the children of the world are wiser than the children of the light. They know more than we do. And and if we just refuse to keep up, if we refuse to, to even see, you can stay within your principle. You can right. stay firm on the truth and on the rock and still understand what's happening. You don't have to be a part of it. You say you could, you know, for those of you who might say, you know, I, I tried out that Oculus thing. That's not for me. Great. That's great. And, and when you're explaining to your kids why you're not a part of it, you know, I remember when... Uh, the uh, Harry Potter thing, and all that was, you know, way, 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 way back when. And yeah. I, mean, and I, you know, and it's funny because parents think, oh, you know, I tell my kids and they don't listen. My kids went to a friend's house, my mom's friend's house, and she was, you know, keeping an eye on them. And she said, I just want you to know that I got that movie, and they were like, mm, we can't watch that till my mama sees it and sees says it's okay or not, <laughs> and they refused to let her put it on. Because of just of what I said. I told us, I'm not saying no. I'm saying I don't know anything about it. And until I know something about it, absolutely not. Right. And that's all you have to do. Just be that light and be that 
be willing to know yeah. so that you can make a, uh, an informed, like I said, informed decision to say, you know what, that's not for us. And this is the reason why. We, yeah. you know, we, I think this is wrong and this is why we're not going to allow it in this house because of this. And, and that's okay. And, and one last thing in closing, you know, I, I have my cell phone and we, you know, we often start with kids with a workshop and we have them repeat after us. And we often tell them, OK, repeat after us. And we'll say this can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. So you got to be mindful of the type of content you put in it, put on it and transmit from it. If you're a Christian, be careful. You know, God sees your heart. And he and Amen. he knows what's going on, so just wanted to share that. And um, oh, you you have your own podcast too, Mr. Jackson. Yeah, yes, exactly. yes. Um, my quest to teach digital evangelism, and it, it basically covers you know, like we we're talking about technology, um, using evangelism in tech with tech, and you know, interesting enough, I um, we were uh, having a conversation with uh, the Christian Chronicle at one time about um, our thoughts and ideas on where technology was moving in the Church of Christ. And we talked with, with, with the Jeff for about an hour. And um, about a week or two weeks later, they had a, a big forum about what ministers were thinking about the Church of Christ and technology. And, you know, some of the things that we were talking about, being cautious, being careful, you know, modern with the kids. And, and even in church, you know, with you know, services, kids having their phones and looking at their phones as opposed to being engaged in the lessons, but but looking at it as an opportunity using the cell phones to keep connected with the kids and, and ministry outside of church. You know, just don't discount it and say it's bad, it's bad, it's, but use it as a tool to connect with them, stay connected and, and, and share positive affirmations and messages with them. That's good. That's good. I had no intention of keeping you guys this long, but this. Is, oh, we uh, had a great time. This is wonderful. Now, anytime, anytime. All right, all right. You guys have a good night, and um, I very, very much appreciate your time. All right, thank you. We appreciate. You. Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore Pod. Liberation is sponsored by. Doodlebugs by DaVita. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydavita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydavita.etsy.com. Use the promo code LIBERATION and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at doodlebugs4u. That's doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, Doodlebugs by DeVita.